This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Guys, um, this is kind of our final true summer show as far as we'll be entering football mode. This, you know, next week uh, we'll be in Indianapolis, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So here's our plan for our loyal listeners as well. We're going to preview Big Ten Media Days and probably drop the Husker Online show next week a little bit early. And then Sip and I will get back Friday and we'll drop headlines Friday. So um, that is the plan, how we're going to kind of attack next week. Um, instead of trying to figure out how to do the show in Indy on Thursday or Wednesday uh, with so many moving parts going on. Um, but, guys, this is it. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we've kind of made it to this point, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. I'm excited for Indy. There's a lot of Are in- you really intrigue. excited for Indy? Well, I am. Are you? I am. Probably more so than I have been for a media in a while, just because I'm, I'm intrigued to see how Matt Rule – shines in that setting we know how good he is podium like Like, frost i want to (laughs) see yes just like scott frost uh he might have an opening statement we'll see uh but i want to see what the the rest of the conference's response is because obviously we know nebraska fans and and media alike were pretty impressed with what they've heard from matt rule so far and now the rest of the conference is going to be able to see that in person i'm very curious to see what the reaction is across the league to the full Matt Rule podium experience. You know what I'm excited about, Steve Sipple? What's that? I'm show? excited to see you at El Toro <laughs> Mexican Restaurant. That place is getting... Like, and Robin. You should be getting paid for as much for as we plug in that For the second place. time. And, and here we go. There, there's, there's, there, there's where it all oh happened God, last year. That was, look at that. That was our first kind of official meal, but... How, Megan, Megan show, do that? How did Megan do oh, that? We're not even getting paid by these guys. We're just so... We had so much fun there last year watching Sipple drink $20 margaritas... <laughs> With mezcal, plural. Can you find the one, Megan, of the Towers of Margaritas? I don't I'm not know if, drinking a tower. I don't do that. You know that, Sean. They, they, have, uh, they do these multi-tiered towers there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've downgraded. Rob and I, used before you, Sip, we used to go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. That yeah. sounds pretty and good. And then you showed up. <laughs> there, there's the tower. <laughs> bring everybody tower. down a notch. Okay, look at this tower. <laughs> this this is. This tell, is, me, is no. tell me you don't want to get that. I, tell I, me I don't you don't want to see Greg Peterson. It's got sparklers on it. <laughs> Tell me you don't want to see Greg Peterson tear into the green margarita in that tower. That's our video producer that travels. But anyway, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun in Indianapolis. Um, hey, hey, just a second now. The Mezcal is what costs money, right? The That's tequila. What, yeah, the tequila. The top the shelf. It was delicious, though. Presidential mar- margarita. For people that don't know, the Mezcal. Look at that. Look at these margaritas. The Mezcal gives it a smoky taste. Yeah. And Which it's is really nice. Good. It balances with the sweet yeah. very well. Yeah, I'm not big, by the way, on sweet margaritas. Mm-hmm. I like the sweet. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, guys, another headline <laughs> Sorry, this John. week. Sorry to, <laughs> our, for our non-paid endorsement of El Toro Mexican <laughs> Restaurant in downtown Indy. Um, we're going to make that place like a hot spot by yeah. the end of this. I think it's already pretty hot. You know, it, I, I think, think it needs right. our help. Yeah. If Nebraska ever goes to Indy for a Big Ten championship, that place will be flooded. We might do the show from yeah. there. <laughs> They let us. I'm like, we don't need you here. Have a couple towers, do a bad show. Bad for business. This, guy, this guy's bad for business. Get him out of here. But um, headlines this week, too. Uh, Nebraska football announced the Hall of Fame class. And it is interesting um, to see some of these names because it, it really kind of makes you feel like we're getting old. Um, that Taylor Martinez is now 10 years removed as a Husker. Um, and he is now in the Hall of Fame class. Tony Dumas in the Hall of Fame class. Sam Cook, former punter. Uh, Kyle Vandenbosch, defensive end um, in the Hall of Fame class from 2006. Uh, Spencer Long, also reaching his 10-year anniversary point, eligible for the Hall. Then uh, Troy Dumas and David Clark. And uh, the criteria, just so you guys understand, it used to be you had to be an All-American or a first-team All-Conference member to be in the Hall of Fame. Since the Big Ten has expanded and it's a lot harder to make first team, um, Nebraska, you, you can be a second team all, all Big Ten selection. Now, with that said, Taylor Martinez was a first team all Big Ten selection. And I do think a lot of people forget that he took Nebraska to two conference title games 
and had the records for several years, was a Heisman contender at one point. I think he wins it. If he doesn't get hurt that season against what, Missouri. What season? Was His freshman – or that, Redshirt freshman season? Redshirt freshman. The final year of the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. 11, 11. 11? Oh, 10. You're right, 10. 10. You're right, 10. Because they joined in 11. Yeah, 10. I mean, just, just think back to that Kansas State game on a oh. Thursday night in Manhattan. Oh. You've seen a lot more Nebraska football than I have. Mm -hmm. Can you remember a more dynamic, individual performance than that? I'm not talking about, like, overall production. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just explosive plays mm -hmm. where the other team mm -hmm. looked like they were not even oh, playing yeah. the same level of no, football. No, you're right. That run, the run he had Plural when, they, when they were up, I think, 14-3, to three, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. But he had the – when Nebraska was up 14-3 to three and he sprinted away from Kansas State, I watched that video – this morning and it mm -hmm. gave me the chills. It was that it was, was incredible. Well, I remember that moment. Remember David Ubbin? Uh, I don't know what he's doing yeah, do. now, but he was the Big Twelve writer for ESPN.com at the time. I was sitting next to him in the press box, <laughs> and he turned the corner, and I remember him just saying, "Whoa!" And oh, this is a guy that covers national football, the whole Big Twelve, and like he was like, that put Taylor Martinez in Nebraska on the national radar it that game. It was a Thursday night game, right? Thursday night game. Yeah. Pre-Martinez getting his foot stepped on, I believe, mm -hmm. in the Missouri game. Yep. Okay. In 2010, the yep. game where Roy Hallou had the record for most yards in a game for a running back in Nebraska, rushing mm -hmm. yards. Martinez is unbelievable. I mean, you think about the Washington game. Yes. That that 80-yard run against Washington. At Washington. So the second half, they come out. I think Washington's like, we're going to make all these adjustments. First play. <laughs> It was Just down like, the sideline. I mean, it looked like the guys were running in sand. I mean, he, he ran so past every – the His Michigan straight State, line speed. But, you know, and then even in the Big Ten, he gave Mark D'Antonio and um, that great Michigan State defense so many problems. Yeah, he did. That, he, I mean, certainly worthy of a Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, he, he was a game changer when he, was, when he was right. And he was pretty good when he wasn't right. Um, you know, he didn't throw the ball very well. He had awkward he – look, he looked awkward throwing it. What I remember about him – was he was quiet at the podium, you know. He wasn't. He was kind of awkward at the podium, but man, at the line of scrimmage, he wasn't awkward. That dude had a growl. I mean, he was a he was a good leader. I mean, Taylor was a great leader. Then you had in his on own the way. field. I mean, I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, really, simple? I mean, he wasn't at the podium. Ah, the podium is the podium. I mean, when he was on the field, I think he was pretty good. Spencer Long too, another great one. Walk yeah, two walk-ons, two in-state walk-ons. Spencer Long, Sam Cook. Uh, Sam Cook from Seward, Spencer Long from Elkhorn yeah. High. Um, two walk-ons. They get drafted. There's been 25 walk-ons at Nebraska drafted in the history of the walk-on program. That's and pretty good. Those are two of the more recent. Andy Janovich is the last walk-on that was drafted. Um, but, you know, Spencer Long was an All-American until he got hurt. Mm -hmm. He got hurt at Purdue. God dang, that's right. Purdue. Yeah. On that grass that – Heard a lot of Husker dangerous players grass in the country. DeMornay, Pearsonell. I think DeMornay hit a sprinkler head, right? In the back of the end zone? Yeah, that was a sprinkler head. And then who was the defensive back that got hurt during warm-ups? Blew his knee out. Can't oh, gosh, yeah. I remember that. That was like the, this last year's game or? Or was it COVID? Yeah, I think it was the COVID year. It was COVID. I mean, and, and you guys I mean they had to like truck him out of there. Right. Yeah, it was, was, that Miles, was that Miles? Was that Miles? No. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, hey, Long was a road grader. He was. He was. A, I mean, you could. You didn't have to be a football expert to watch a game and see six, not number sixty-one moving people. He, you could just say, "Wow, sixty-one moves people." He moved people. That was back when the line moved people. And he was two fifty, two sixty in high school. Yeah. And they went, developed then him. He got, then he went. He got. He got. Well, look at him. He's, he was mammoth. And but those was, are the kind of guys Nebraska has. To, I mean, the, the walk-on program to uncover that kind of player. The 250, 260 well, the, pound yeah, guy. Get a scholarship guy like that would be great. Right. I mean, yeah. they've missed on a lot of guys. Like, I mean, and, and Jeff Jamrock deserves a lot of credit for Spencer Long. He recruited him in that walk on class to Nebraska and his brother as well, um, Jake Long. Jake Long, good top, pretty good tight end. Played. As far as Sam Cook goes, averaged 46.51 yards per punt um, in 2005. Sean, 46.5. Okay. I mean, that, that's, that was his average in 2005. That doesn't take much coaching. If you got a guy like that, you know, you, there's a lot of worries that sort of go what, by the wayside. What I remember about Sam, too, is at the end of his career, I mean, he was like a grown-up. He had two kids and a wife. He did. And he had at least one kid for sure. These two, two, the two boys. Okay. And so we're on the bowl trip in Michigan, the Michigan – the game, the Alamo Bowl. And mm -hmm. I, I just remember I was walking across the street. He's holding his kids. Yep. 
with his. I mean, he, he was just really absolutely a, a mature college football player. Oh yeah, he had a house in Seward. I mean, when before the draft, I went and did an interview with them, and they had yeah, it was like a little family. He was it was the week of the draft, and I went to interview him. Um, and yeah, he just said, "Yeah, just come to my house." And it was you know, they had a little place in Seward. And that maturity and that discipline—I mean, that's why he kicked so long in the NFL. I mean, you just yeah. Well, then he revolutionized the game, the the position. He he really did revolutionize the position with the with the array of punts that he could do. Yeah, it wasn't just his leg strength; no. it was his right. accuracy with the ball to be able to pin it in the corner, one hundred, and just place it inside the inside the ten. I mean, like. That's you don't kick that long in the NFL. You don't punt that long in the NFL without being exceptionally good at that part of it. Like everybody's got a big leg, but can you put the ball where it's supposed to go? I, Sam Cook did that as well as anyone in recent memory. I think he developed that kind of that Australian style too. He could do it. Mm. Um, he could do a lot of different things with the ball. Um, Kyle Vandenbosch too. Oh yeah. six was his final year. Um, so he's he's been eligible for a while, and I think people misunderstand Steve what the, the Hall of Fame is. It's not like the NFL where you've got to get in; you just have to be ten years past your career. And I think Nebraska tries to put together a well-rounded class of old and new, and yeah. you know, it, it's not like the in NFL Hall of Fame where you know if you don't make it the first year eligible, it's it's a it's a slight. Right. I think that's what some people were saying with Van Bosch that it took too long for him to get in. I don't. I don't know. It's not like that. But I'll tell you one thing about Vanderbosch. He had 26 quarterback hurries as a senior. <laughs> he had 26 he was a monster. quarterback hurries as a senior. One year. That's a, look at the stats now. There's a lot of guys going through here that don't get 26 in three years. Mm-hmm. He, got, he got them one year. He yeah, always he struck was. me as a guy that didn't get the credit he deserved. You know, for one, he was following well, he legends. Well, think he, of the guys. When you think, Robin, of the – Best Russians in Nebraska history, you'd start thinking of Wisdom, right? Right. Tomich, Peter. Rucker, Tomich. Yeah. Well, not Peter. Peter didn't play on the edge. Then you kind of get down. Then, then oh, yeah, Vandenbosch, too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, like, just the Kelsey. timing of which he played, Kelsey. the bar was so high that really, no matter what he did, he wasn't going to get the same type of right. credit. And then, even in the NFL, like, I think people look at his, they think about his NFL career and you know, they know he played, but you go back, he played for a long time. 12 years. And he was effective. He played 12 years in the NFL. He was a legitimate starter in the NFL for a better part Many of a decade. Years. Yeah. Well, and John Gruden, I, I don't know where I read this, but he would air Vandenbosch's film to, to his, his team. Mm-hmm. And he never coached never Vandenbosch. Coached he goes, I just want you fellas to watch this. He'd, this show the he'd show the middle of the season stuff. This isn't the start of the season. This is the middle of the season. And this is how he's playing. And he said, this guy plays harder than any player in the NFL. Yeah, that's how you do it. And that's a testament to Nebraska and, and the program they had here and, and the way that they developed that work ethic. And it carried over. I mean, that Sam Cook, Spencer. I mean, all these guys are very successful. I think Taylor Martinez is in real estate. Um, I'll be really curious if – I mean, I, I would assume Taylor comes back. Oh, that'd be great if he does. Uh, I hope he comes back. Um, it'd be great to see Taylor Martinez. I bet he has not been back though since his final moment in that stadium. Mm-hmm. He, he strikes me else. as one of those guys. He was something else. And Dumas, no, I don't. I didn't cover Dumas, but he was ninety-one to ninety-four, and he parlayed a huge senior year. Now I remember, I'm, I can remember, it, even though I wasn't covering it. He had a huge senior year, and then I covered him when he was with the Arena team in Lincoln, and he was a, he was a, I mean, he's one of the most vicious hitters I've ever seen. He was a vicious hitter. It, it, great. I mean, Lincoln great, Lightning or Lincoln Capitals? It was one. Hi, Sean, that's a good question. I think it was. Oh, the Haymakers. I think it was Capitals. Is it? Was it? Because there was a t- time when I was a freelancer for the Journal Star that Sip just decided he had better things to do. And so they gave me the Lincoln Capitals beat. So I finished right, I the rest that. of the season. I remember, like, <laughs> the Lincoln Unforgettable Lightning. experience. <laughs> Damon Benning played for the Lightning. Lightning. Early. Damon right. was good. Yeah. Josh Ludke. You know what um, Damon was really good at? He was a return man. He was a very good return man in that league. But the beginning of those indoor leagues in the early 2000s when there was, like, that former Husker 90s cachet. Wasn't Matt Terman on – was he the quarterback of that team? Oh, don't do that to him. Josh Ludke was the quarterback of Lightning. (laughs) He was, Sean. That's an incredible poll by you. Well, I mean, he's the Creighton Prep headback. He's a really notable person. He He was their starting quarterback for the Capitals. Yes. Maybe the Lightning. He played for UNO. He was was the Lightning. Ty Good played. Remember Ty Good? Ty Good played, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a Southeast Notre Dame. They played in Pershing. Which is no law. I, mean, I saw them lose a game when a game-winning field goal hit the scoreboard. <laughs> like, you know, they had the hang-down oh, yeah. score. 
So they lost. It was going to go like into Jerry's the- world. <laughs> Pershing at the Not end really. of it. Pershing <laughs> saw some rough days at the end of that place. Yeah. It was just hanging on. It, it hung on for probably oh, a little it too saw long. some rough days. It did. It did. It held on to that rib fest out there for a while. Yeah. It did. Rib fest at Pershing was awesome back in the day. Yeah. The poll of the show so far is you remember Josh Lutke as the, the Lincoln Indoor <laughs> Arena well, his brother Jonas is one of my buddies, and I know John. I mean, I, I, I and you know what, Luke, he was an incredibly good quote. Oh, he he's competitive. Robin, he was my go-to. God, I mean, he was great. He never played high school basketball at Creighton Prep, and he's one of the best high school basketball coaches in the state. Josh Luke, yeah, think about right, that. We're off. Track. All right, we yes. are gonna go <laughs> so far off break. track. It's almost uh, when we come back. Nebraska <laughs> added an offensive lineman commit this week. Uh, we'll tell you more about that and the shape of this offensive line class. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics and we're back here on the husker online show sean callahan steve sipple robin washev we're in july because we're talking like lincoln lightning lincoln capital football and how steve sipple played a hand in getting a coach fired even easy at that level yeah i mean back in the do you want me to go there jose, jose jefferson jefferson um, criticized the team ownership, <laughs> and we wrote about it extensively. It's top fold. That was good May content. It was in May the uh, Lincoln Journal Star Sean, back. You then. have an incredible memory. He does. May and June. May and June. Sean. That that carried. July I was off. <laughs> well, let's talk football yeah, recruiting. Let's, yeah, let's get on that point. Um, yeah. Huskers add their twenty fourth. Verbal commitment this week. Offensive lineman Preston Talmoa um, comes in as an offensive lineman. He's the fourth O-lineman now in the class. Um, second highest ranked guy Nebraska's added. You look at this O-line class, though, it's it's starting to really shape up here. Uh, you have Talmoa. Um, you obviously have um, Gibson Pyle, who, who's come okay. on. And, and then the, the two guys from camp, Landon Davison, and Jake Peters so that they've got four there's I think my question right now is there isn't like a defined tackle body there's guys that could play tackle Tamua can play um you know and he's six three and a half I'd be curious what Nebraska has met if that if our height is accurate on well, I noticed I noticed Brian Munson had had him as an offensive tackle mm-hmm. in his story I watched his film um and he played tackle you know he plays tackle on his high school team what I noticed is I thought about something that when we were covering camp last summer, I was watching Rayola talk to the guys, and one of the things he said really struck me. It was he was saying, and he was very forceful about, "We got to take, the, we take the fight to them. We throw the first punch." That's what Rayola told his guys. We throw the first punch. Well, if you watch this guy, he throws the first punch. Uh, Tamu was really aggressive. I talked to Dominic about him. Dominic Dominic Rayola knows all about him, and. And he said, "Yeah, that's the kind of this is the kind of kids that Donovan's got to keep getting. Guys, this, throw the first punch. This is a big win for Donovan Raiola. It mean, is. He, I mean, it really he's, is. He's gotten some guys here, um, but I think Ben Scott would be the one in the transfer portal where you're like, yep, he big got one. him here. Yeah. But this is one where you can't say, oh, he got helped by this coach or you know, it was a Texas kid that you know the other coaches helped in Texas with him. This was his guy through his relationships in Hawaii. Yeah." And what you, I mean, I know, I know how we are in the world, and I know how we are in the media. We're very impatient. But the offensive line now sh- should begin to take on Donovan's personality and, his, and really show his teachings. Just now. I mean, in a sense, it's even a little early to judge him. It's still a little early because he hasn't really gotten his own guys in mm-hmm. here, Right. I mean, I think he's done a good job of kind of converting the, the holdovers, the guys that he, he inherited. But it's just now that we're seeing the type of recruit that he wants. And these guys are fighters. They, if you look at these guys he's recruited, they're all kind of gritty fighters. 
And that's, that's kind of Donovan's personality. That seems, was certainly his brother's personality. Seems like a different body type, too, where maybe they're not necessarily as caught up in the size and the height, height where yeah. the, the, those measurables aren't as much of a priority as the things you mentioned with the, the toughness and the physicality and bringing the fight. Yeah, bringing the fight I mean, is a big thing. I think it's almost safe to say Nebraska got almost too carried away with emphasizing height mm-hmm. on O-line recruiting to the point where the, it was like they're getting like seven footers. You know, like it was like got to a point where the football team was taller than the basketball team I at Nebraska. Yeah, you kind of understand it. I mean, I, I don't want to be too critical of it because in the Big Ten, you see it every weekend. You see just mammoth. you got to have athletes first. Mm-hmm. You do, but you see mammoth offensive linemen throughout the Big Ten. So I get what I get it. I get the mentality. It goes back, though, to what we were talking about Spencer Long in, in, in the in – the, you know, you, you, that's the kind of guy you want yeah. to build and project. Yeah. You know, Sam Sledge, I look at him. That's the kind of guy, like, 260, 270, that you can put the right kind of weight on. And I, I felt like in the previous regime, their plan was we're going to find these 6'8", 6'9", 6'7", guys, and we're going to let strength and conditioning and nutrition just pump these guys up, and we're just going to create just giants. Mm-hmm. and. They created giants, but they didn't move very well. Yep, that's the thing. Couldn't stay in front of anybody. Yeah, even Charles Thompson. I mean, Char- I, I was on a radio sh- interview with Charles Thompson, Casey's dad, and he didn't say much at all about Nebraska, but he did say he did kind of say let one thing slip. He said, "Well, I mean, the one thing about the offensive lines, they didn't move their feet very well. And they didn't. I mean, that's true. I well, mean, I mean, and the metrics don't lie. They they are." Out of all Power 5 teams the last two years, Nebraska ranks dead last on pro football focus for pass blocking on the overall grade. That's telling. Hmm. They've had statistically the worst tackle play in Power 5 football in terms of hurries and you know QB hits, those those types of metrics. We talked about it a lot. I mean, we, we – you know, Donovan doesn't I, – you saw what Donovan – Oh, yeah. I mean – He doesn't like it. In, in Belton, Texas, he made it pretty clear to me he didn't like our criticism. And was that all their well, fault? I mean, did, did Whipple help those guys out? I think No, that, he didn't. And, and that's, you know, when you're, when you're giving up on the run, I mean, the minute Frost was fired, like any commitment to the run just kind of left, left the building. I mean, they, 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 they ran it <laughs> against true. Indiana right. in that game, but yeah. they almost wore out Anthony Grant in that game. He wasn't mm-hmm. the same the rest of the year. No. <laughs> Mickey wanted to run it. Remember the press conferences? But Mickey didn't have the power, really, to to tell Whipple this is yeah. what we're doing. Whipple. Whipple was doing his thing. Yeah. Didn't I mean, care Whip- what anybody else thought. Yeah. Whipple had a. Co- I mean, Whipple coached a game from a wheelchair, called plays in a wheelchair mm-hmm. after he got tried. I mean, he he was going to call plays in Nebraska his way, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Who's and the coach that c- coached the first few plays of that drive? Steve Cooper, Steve now Cooper. the offensive coordinator of Maine, and they they, they actually they, look pretty good. I mean, and I can tell <laughs> they you got this a first like. Down. <laughs> he he was transitioning them back with Logan to like what they had been doing with Frost's offense, which worked. I mean, they they knew how to run plays and get yards under Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. It, that was like not the problem, obviously. Right. You know, there were so many other things why it didn't work here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Whipple's offense was more, hey, throw it deep to Trey Palmer, and and then sometimes it did work. It's it like Whipple if. To defend him. It worked against I- Iowa. Yeah. It, if I was Johnny Cochran, I'd go right to the Iowa game. It yeah. dang near worked against Purdue. I mean, that if they would have won that Purdue game. Right. And they and they should. They should have. Well, kind of should have. Yeah. Purdue had to go for a crazy fourth down. They could not get a stop. If, if, stop. if Purdue life. doesn't get that fourth down late, then they give Nebraska the ball back. Nebraska wins the game. Yeah. They had Maccabi going, and you have a – when you Trey got Palmer O'Connell. Had like one of the best receiving games in program history, and they lost. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell was pretty good in that game. Remember when we were up there? I mean, we're up in the press box. He's making freaky throws. And the fact like, that that Maccabee kid, they were down to like their four-string running back, and he just comes in and just – He went for like 200. He's not their four-string running they back They could anymore. not tackle him. He's not their four-string running no, back. Look at There's the whip. He about got 1,000. Here's a staff for you, Rob. Last time Purdue's had a 1,000-yard rusher. I already said this yeah, yeah. to you, so uh, I can't give it away. Shoot. You nailed it. Sean nailed it. I'm trying to think. Who's the big – Dude, <laughs> Altstadt? No. All right, I, I, who? Just, 2008. They haven't big, had a thousand. Nebraska big. They time. haven't had a thousand yard rusher for 15 years. <laughs> who was it? You know? I don't know who it was. Okay. Maccabee had almost a thousand last year. Wow. He almost got a thousand. He'll get a thousand this year. That guy's tough. He's a tough runner. 
All right, when we come back, we are going to preview. We've talked uh, last week, quarterback, running back, receivers. Today we're going to do O-line and tight end as we get you ready for the start of fall camp. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washett, uh, getting you ready now for the start of fall camp. If you can believe it, the Huskers will report to uh, the Selick dorms on July 30th, which is a Sunday. That's also the same day as Fan Photo Day, um, which is indoors this year. Uh, they're going to do that inside the Hawks. Um, and then... They'll open camp July 31st, Monday. Do we know, do you have any inkling on, on what it's going to look like for the media, Sipple? Uh, availability? Yes. For August, just August? Yeah. No. I wish Still I did. to be determined. I think it'll be pretty good, though. I think the availability will be it's good. usually like three to four days a week with three photo days, maybe. Three photo days. A couple lake days for me in there. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, no, we'll get – come on. I mean, we've gotten good access with Oh, Google, yeah. And I imagine it'll continue. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, there, there's there's the perfect balance of you don't want to be too much access. I mean, right. There was a time where we'd go over there every day in August. Twice mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. Sometimes twice a day, which was ridiculous. Yes, and, was. and you'd – I mean, August was harder than, like, the season. Yeah. Because you'd have to come up with things and you, you didn't get to watch a lot of stuff. Um, but – Rule won't we? He has, he has said that we won't get to watch like scrimmages, and his reasoning was like, you know, he, he doesn't want the players to feel like they're being written about like a game and practice puts pressure on because you know, if a guy has a bad scrimmage, puts pressure on Sipple writes a huge column questioning mm-hmm. the player is he the guy? That was a that was um a rationale that I'd never heard before. It makes sense though, yeah. I'd never heard a coach at Nebraska say that, that the concern is not what you guys see and that you put out there for opponents. It's the pressure it puts on our individuals because of the way the world is now. Well, in the pro football focus grades, he has said, too, like yeah. – Messed with NFL players. Messed with NFL players. the social players. media era, too. Yeah. Like, if people are filming practice and a guy drops a ball, you know, it's going to go viral and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they have their mentions blowing up about how bad they are, and it's, it's a head game for sure. NFL players – would look at their pro football focus and it would give them anxiety. It, it, they'd look at their PFF grade and it caused anxiety. It's their yeah. job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Feeding families. And, you know, that that's, I'm sure, ownership and general managers, they don't watch, like, the nitty-gritty of the film like the coaches might, but they look at those grades. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they're yeah. making personnel and roster decisions. Absolutely. But, um, all right, I, w- I want to talk tight end okay. first. Um you know, we, we did our projected fall camp depth chart, tight end slash fullback. Uh, tight end, I, I think we all agree, Thomas Fedoni is probably the guy with Nate Borkature. The, the wild card remains Arik Gilbert and his waiver. And we'll probably get a good answer from Matt Rule. And we talked to Matt Rule, Sipple, about this in, in Texas. And it's not like Nebraska's concerned. It's just a process that they've got to wait through with the NCAA. Well, I think the important thing is, and we said it on a previous show, but it bears repeating. They didn't file the waiver. Remember what Matt Rule told us on – I'm going to say, Sean, it was June 8th. Is that about when we were out there? On June 8th, he said we had only filed the waiver about two weeks ago, so two weeks prior to June 8th. It wasn't like they filed a waiver in February. No, they didn't file the waiver till late May. So there's there going to have to be some time passed before they're going to get an answer. And the other thing – that's important to note is that's not just like a, a waiver you scribble out on a piece of paper and send to the NCAA. It's a very detailed. A lot of depth to it. A lot of depth. You have to, I mean, it takes a lot of thought, and you got to get a lot of facts. And I imagine with Arik Gilbert it was fairly complex. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the deal. I, and you, Sean, you're saying you think we'll f- find out in India? Well, we'll get an update yeah. where it's at. And 
I'm not got to get it up to I mean, camp starts here. Like, I'm expecting he'll get it, and it might be a deal where he practices in in August, and they don't know yet for sure, but they assume he's going to get it, and then they find out like the week before the first game. I mean, it could be something like that. Yep. But what what are you? I mean, here's a here's a thought. You didn't see much of Fedoni. They didn't throw Fedoni much in the spring game. You think that was by design? We don't need to show this kid. He caught one pass for four yards in the spring game. I, my thought was, they don't why, – why, why throw to him a bunch? Why have five catches for 95 yards in the spring game and get everybody in the, in the world's attention? Yeah, because the one, the one wild card you have right now is the unknown. You know, if you give P.J. Flack and company some film of how, to, how they're going to utilize one of your best offensive weapons, Could be. you're doing yourself a disservice. So you can do all those things in the closed fall scrim- or spring scrimmages, which uh-huh. are – obviously the more important practices than the spring game. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they dialed it back with him. They're protecting him, though, yeah. too. Protecting him, too, in terms of injury. He hadn't made it through a spring at Nebraska. This will be the first fall camp he's ever participated in as a full go. See, I just wonder what that I, – I mean, I'm really intrigued by what that might look like. I mean, that might be a, the kind of player that – I don't know. I don't want to go too far down that road, but Fedoni himself has said what? I think you know. I think I can be a first round pick. You know, yeah. I can be an all Big Ten tied in. The talent is there, but more importantly, the work ethic is there, and the determination is there, yeah, which is why to. he immediately emerged as one of the captains of their off season workout programs, which weren't even just workouts, but it was like the community service, like leadership. He was thrust into that role from the get go and embraced it head on. Well, I told you what Niles Paul said when they they were at the Warren Academy working out. He saw Thomas and didn't know who he was. Niles Paul, former Husker, former NFL tight end from Omaha. Um, he said, he goes, who is that guy? The NFL, he looks like he's an NFL guy back here working out. He goes, it reminds me of George Kittle. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy you're looking at. I mean, now, is there a wild card in here? I mean, are we, are we counting Janire and Bonner as a guy that can make an impact at Jake tight Applegate. Is, what about Bonner? Jake App- Applegate is a tight end, and yeah. he's been on the top 10%. As much as any player, freshman this this week, so or this summer, I think that's a name that maybe could slide up there. Janiron Bonner, yeah, it's a matter of like how they utilize him. Yeah, like what is this fullback role? Right. I mean, we we all kind of fantasize about what we think and want this fullback role to be, um, but what is it truly going to be? Right, that's what I wonder. Yeah, he still considers himself a tight end. Right after the spring game, they were talking to him about a fullback. He's like, no, I'm I'm a tight end. Right, I'll He's line listed. up. I'll line up at fullback. But I'll play tight end. I'll split out wide. I'll play the slot. I'll play on the line. I'll play in the backfield. So, people, one comparison that maybe we'll see how it translates, but that maybe you could make is how Northwestern, at least used to, use that super back role. Yeah. Remember, like Dan yeah. Vitale? Yes, like that, that type of guy. So they lined a, him up everywhere. And he was a bear. He was. Vitale was a pain in the, you know what? Yes. So, maybe like ceiling, that's the kind of picture. Nebraska could get out of him, but we just don't know until we see it. Yeah, and I don't want to go too far. I mean, I, good one flashed, John. Good one flashed in the spring game a little bit. Lincoln High. Lincoln High. Yeah, Rob. I, I made mention of him for Robin's sake. <laughs> Thank you. He, but he did flash a little bit in the, in the spring. Barrett Liebentritt from Notre Dame, the transfer they brought in. Um, he played for the Irish as a fullback. He played on special teams. Omaha Scott product. He's a guy to watch. Caden Becker. Tied in. Uh, fullback. Oh, fullback. Tied in. They're kind of the same thing. I mean, they're interchangeable. Now you're confusing me, Sean. We're, I mean, we're kind of in the same conversation. The tight ends and the fullbacks are, are kind of together, I would God. say. Uh, but that's a new wild card name, as is Caden Becker, um, to, to kind of keep your eyes on. But uh, Trevor Ruth, too. Tre- Trevor UNK Ruth. UNK transfer. Former, uh, he's related to the Makovicas, by the way. Wow. Uh, but offensive line, guys, um, you know, we've hit on this a bunch already on, on Nebraska's O-line. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time to, to, to go in all the weeds on this, but my biggest question is Corcoran. Like, wh- where does he land? Hmm. What's his role? And a lot of it is contingent on Prohaska at left tackle, Bryce Benhart at right tackle. How does that puzzle come together? Yeah, I mean, Teddy, Teddy Prohaska, Donovan in his radio interview the other day just said flat out he's ready to go. So I think Teddy – See the, that projected fall camp depth chart there? Teddy at left tackle. That's what I think you're looking at. Now, what if you're Turner Corcoran, my concern would be, okay, I'm your backup left tackle, and I might be your backup. I could be a backup at guard, too. Am I just a backup? Um, I, don't, I don't know, Sean. 
I don't know what Turner Corcoran's role would be. Ethan Piper looks like your left guard, right? Ben Scott, we know, is the center. Right guard looks like Nora D. Newely. And right tackle looks like Bryce Benhard. So where is Corcoran? Is he your, is he your, sort, of, is he your sort of utility guy? You're first up. I think that's an important rule to have because when was the last time Nebraska had five guys over the course of the season? So odds are you're going to play. And if you can play – remember, he was repping at center at some point too. So he can play Play all five spots on the offensive line. And having a guy like that is invaluable just just for depth. That might be what what you're looking at with him. Because they're not not bad depth-wise, but – they're, there's a, they're a little short at a couple spots. I mean, at center, if you just if take Corcoran out of that discussion at center, is it Justin Evans-Jenkins? Is that your backup or I think it would be a moving of Corcoran or somebody to center. Yeah. Okay, Didn't Piper what, work at center a little bit? Piper's Piper could work at center. Yeah. New Elegant. I mean, there's a lot of guys yeah, New Ely. that has have the um, – Where's Latovsky fit? Guard, he's, he's strictly guard. Still backup guard. Good backup though, I mean, and they tried to go with him last year, and, and then they went back to Piper. It felt like you know, and then with with Nuri back, it makes a difference having him back. I mean, they've got about seven guys that can play. Yeah, yeah, and it's you a matter that. of how Donovan wants to rotate and play those seven guys. Latovsky is a guy that if he walked in here and you shook his hand, you'd say, "Oh boy." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's he's ready to play. And he's physically. lean. Yeah, we were talking guy, about him so. last summer. I remember. Oh, he's and a mountain. He's just, he's a he, mountain. Lo- he looked like how he would want an interior offensive lineman in the Big Ten to look like. Yeah, and he looks a little crazy too, yeah. which is another. That's what I'm talking trait. about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're a little nervous around him. He's you a are. great guy. I yeah. mean, but like he has that look. Yeah, he's got the crazy eyes. He <laughs> never ate like his body. If you look at it, it's really cut and lean. Mm-hmm. Growing up, he never had fast food. I think his mom was like some sort of nutritionist, and so he ate healthy. His, yeah. Just like you know, the Rude's mom was a nutritionist, and those you know they they were fed right growing up, and that make nutrition is a huge part of you know how you develop your body, mm-hmm. especially at a young age. And I mean, he's a guy that has a great frame. It's a matter of can he play. But yeah, the O line and how that puzzle comes together will be a big question when we come back on yeah. the show. Uh, we're going to take questions in the mailbag as Abby Barmore will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Let's welcome in Abby Barmore. But before we get to that, um, we even have a mailbag question on this, Abby. But this segment of the program, Steve Sipple, is brought to you by... Larson Motors. Here's the deal. Larson Motors is one of the Midwest's only dealerships, and this is the key, with all the major brands in one location. You could spend half a day on the lot. Finding your new Chevrolet, GMC, Hummer, Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram has never been easier. So start your new experience today at LarsonMotorGroup.com or at Larson Motors in Nebraska City. Larson Motors, real people, real deals. And what was the mail? There was a mailbag question related to Larson. Well, yes, Steve? of course, we always have the hard hitting questions. So, Sipple, when is when are you going to get your midlife crisis Jeep? Why why is there an assumption that I'm having a midlife crisis? <laughs> well, because you have a motorcycle, you were looking at boats, and you're talking about Jeeps. Just built into the discussion, I'm having some sort of crisis. And you're going to the lake. Just assumed. <laughs> I'm, I'm I mean it. I see them all the time, and every time I see them, like a Rubicon. I like the look of it. I like the look of it. Well, I, I'm guessing the ownership of Larson. They're 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 thinking about. We got to get Sipple in a Jeep. Yeah, I'm thinking in color. I like white and black. A lot of people do. I've noticed that. Um, a lot of cars white. A lot, a lot of white and black. Would you be a top off in the summer guy? Take no, oh, no, 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 no. Top not, off, shirt off. No, that's full <laughs> doors. Like, then rip like, the doors off. No, then you see dudes like sticking one leg out the side. Come on, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Taking the doors You'll off. You'll dial it back a little bit. Yeah. What's the point yeah. of getting a Jeep just if you don't take the top off? Yeah. Uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> we'll just go on a road. 57 years we'll old. We'll drive to, um, like, Iowa City that way or something. Yeah. And make him drive the Jeep. Absolutely. All right. What do you, <laughs> well, back on the track here. What Thanks, do you got so. in the mailbag, Abby? Okay. Who are your way too early predictions for Nebraska's offensive and defensive MVPs? I mean, I, Je- it, Jeff Sims, just based on the position – Makes the most sense. The volume that he's going to be in that offense. Defense. MJ Sherman. Mm. Good one. Good one. 
I'll go Reimer. Okay. Because I think he's going to get a lot of tackles. Well, he's led him in tackles two straight years yeah. by a long ways. Yeah. Even even missing two games last year. I think he's going to do what you think he could do and put his name towards the top of the record books. Well, if he if he has the sort of year that he's had the last two, he'll easily, easily become Nebraska's all-time third-leading tackler behind Barrett Root and Jerry Murtaugh. If he has a spectacular season, if he gets 100 tackles, mm-hmm. he'll be number two. He'll, I, I believe he'll pass Murtaugh. Um, so I'll go him. So, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And that's not – it's not like he – has benefited that much from COVID. His, his freshman year, he had 11 tackles. So mm-hmm. this is basically he'll he'll do it over a kind of a conventional time period. Um, offensive, if it's not Sims, Kemp would be the guy I would go to. Not next. Grant. No, I'd go Kemp because because you know what's going to happen. They're going to they're, they're going to use a short passing game a lot, and Kemp's going to be targeted a lot. Mm-hmm. And if he you know if he breaks some tackles, gets loose, um, he could have a he could have a pretty dynamic year. Yeah. So I'd go Cam. With those running backs, too, I don't know if any of them are going to get the volume to be in that discussion. I think the, the share is going to limit the numbers they're going to put up. Defense Sherman, mm, not, yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick linebackers because we don't know exactly who they're going to be and how they're going to be used. So it's, it's God, I, if you're a Nebraska fan, you hope Ty Robinson's their MVP. I mean, that's, you want one of those linemen to, to rise up and become, I don't, wa- I don't want to say the word dominant, but, but close. Look like a pro. Dumb. Yeah, look like a pro. Look like an NFL player. All right, Abby, what's next? Okay, if you could bring back one dormant rivalry for Nebraska, who would it be and why? Should we take Oklahoma out of it? Because that's like the obvious one. I got one. one. Go ahead, you guys. You, you won't pick the one I'm thinking. I already know what you're going to pick. Um, I would like. I'd like to see Nebraska play Texas. Okay. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, just there, there was a lot of – I mean, Texas is 9-1 and one against Nebraska in the, in the Big 12 era. God. 9-1. and one. The only win came God Almighty. in the 97 conference title game. And they slaughtered them, right? And of those 10 games, Nebraska was favored probably in seven of them, maybe eight. I mean – How about the red out around the world game? Oh. When they made the red out and – Texas somehow came in and beat yeah, those teams. Is that 2010? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that Texas team was a two-touchdown dog. Dog. That was a bad Texas team. Yeah. Robin, who's yours? So are we limiting it strictly to conference? Like Big 8, Big 12? No, I think anybody, dude. Yeah. Miami. Okay. That's a good one. I wasn't going to pick that one. Miami. Limited, I mean, just to rekindle those Orange Bowl. Just, just do like a, a two-game swap. Well, do you remember what it home. felt like, in what, what that game felt like when Miami was yes, here? Yes, it was awesome. When What year was that, guys? 2014. Was, what was and that And I went like? there in 15, right? Yeah, yeah I went, went there, there in 15. 15. What, what was that scene like in Memorial State? Incredible. A hell of a lot better than the one that was in Miami. When yeah. we were in Miami, Al Gold, they were trying to fire Al Golden. Somebody had a plane, remember? And that, they had said the fire Al Golden over banner the stadium. on the plane. And it was hotter than hell. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a 3.30 game Brutal. in September in Miami. That yeah. sun was unbelievable. That game against Miami here was an, uh, the Amir Abdullah show. Yes. Um, and, 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 and Randy Gregory. Late in that game, Gregory and, and Malik Collins made a huge play. Yes. Fourth down. Uh, fourth down. I'd take Kansas State. Yeah. I'd, I'd take Kansas State. That would be my second pick. Yeah. I'd take Kansas State because what, what Chris Kleiman's doing down there right now He's building a little bit of a monster down there, and it'd fun to it'd be. I think it'd be fun if Rule gets this going, if 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 they're consistently two top twenty teams, if Rule could get that going, how fun would that be mm-hmm. to get that thing going? Don't you think Iowa will go after him if the Iowa yes. job opens? Like, yes, that's the guy. One hundred percent. They have to. And he just, won't go. He'll stay. He'll stay at Kansas State. It's got a good thing going. Yep. For There's now. a lot of rumblings even like Matt Campbell would be a target. Hey, guys, how someday. fun would that be for us if it got going with Kansas State? We just drive. We're just yes. driving down I, that's Manhattan. One of the biggest reasons why I would say that, that day trip. Oh, it's fun. It's idea. two hours from Lincoln. So Super le- fun. 11 a.m. kickoff. You leave in the morning. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> oh, we did some one-dayers. Like, yeah. That was a fun atmosphere there, too. Oh, yeah. Not that big of a stadium, but it was fun. What's next, Okay, Abby? our next one. If you could bring back a former Nebraska assistant coach from last season's staff, who would it be? And I want to preface: we're not knocking Matt Rule's staff here. We're just yeah, that's a, that's a tough one for us right now. I don't want to like act like I'm saying there's a guy on this staff that shouldn't be on because these are all qualified guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if there's one that 
would make sense to me, it would be Sean Becton. Um, I, I think you look at him as a tight ends coach. He's really good. I think he's a great leader of young men. He's a great recruiter in Florida and Georgia. Um, so he's a guy that you, when you look at it, like highly qualified tight ends coach and did a lot. Of, I mean, it, I, you can't really be critical of anything he did as a coach at Nebraska. Yeah, you can't be critical of any of these guys right now, in my opinion. No. I, I've said consistently with the rural staff that. Mickey at the time, if, when it was like going on, like made sense, but obviously that changed, just the story changed. What I've been saying is you got to give these guys a year or two before you really judge them. That said, I Barrett Rude, Barrett Rude's an excellent linebackers coach, and I think he'd look good on this staff. Um, Barrett's a great technician. I mean, you talk about Reimer. Um, now Barrett, his room was a little light, mm-hmm. um, a little light on talent. But Barrett knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a, one of the best. I mean, if you talk to coaches that coach with him, he's one of the best technicians around. That's who I'd say. What about Travis Fisher? Fisher's good, but man, Cooper's, Cooper's so, good. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, Cooper's so entrenched in the player personnel part of right. it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Be giving up Matt Rule's right hand man. Yeah. How about that Mike Dawson? Just with what he did developing that front of Nebraska, I mean, they 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 had a pretty good defensive front. Mm-hmm. They they developed well. I, Dawson's good, but I like Knighton's NFL yeah, experience. And, and that's a good counter. I, mean, I, that, I love the Knighton NFL experience. I love it. I love coaches who have six years, seven years, ten years of playing experience in the NFL because I know I know if you guys were a player, if I were a player, that I would listen a little closer to a guy that was drafted. Well, he wasn't. I think he was a third. I don't know what Knighton was, but. Played, played in the NFL, made an impact in the NFL. Won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough question to answer because we haven't seen these new guys coach. Right. All right, Abby. Okay. What's next? What is the status of the Go Big project, and will the football team move in before the season starts? Great question. Um, it's dicey because everybody can see that construction cam and where it's at, and <laughs> they got a ways to go. I mean, they're they're they do. <laughs> they, I mean, there's. They were pouring concrete just this week. The best case scenario, as we know, was they were going to get access to the locker room and the weight room to start fall camp. Start fall camp. That, if I'm just being honest, that seems like a long shot. So what does that mean? Like, do they pause that part of it and wait until the October bye week where there's a week off to kind of transition it in the season? Because you don't want to rush this. Like, you don't want to like go in where it's like ninety percent ready. You want it to be a hundred percent ready. Well, then that they won't be in there for a while. Yeah. But then then Winter. the then the entire project itself, like how much longer will that take to finish? Do you sure you don't, Sean? What about just moving into the locker room and and have the weight room? That makes sense. Would it be ready though? Yeah. Like I now they'll they'll be in. They will be in that locker room in the weight room soon. It's a matter of will they be in there to start August camp or will right. be later in the fall. Okay. And I do think the leadership of Nebraska has to kind of make that decision like this week. I mean, they have to kind of know what's going to happen because this is a big decision. A lot of a lot it of is. moving parts. It is. it is a big decision. You don't want and you don't want disruption. As we know, as we know now, we're acutely aware of. It's hard to win in the Big Ten. You don't want disruptions like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't move the team in there in October if we're not. If if they're not moving in in August, then I'm saying we're not moving in until after the season. And, and there are some early supply chain things that cause delays. Um, there was a coaching change where you know maybe Matt Rule wanted to rework a few things here and there. He I mean, did work, work, work. and he did. Um, yeah. But I, I heard a, like one supply chain thing that delayed the project. There was like a two-month delay because they had to wait on something to come off the ports of L.A. to get in. The ports and, of L.A. And they couldn't get anything done until that thing got dropped in because it's a big part of So there are things, obviously, just like with the world right now. I mean, I, I know getting a garage door could take some people seven, eight months Jiminy to the point where if you're building a home, the first thing you did was order your garage doors. Yeah. And even then, you may not get them. And they had a plywood shut your garage door in order for the bank to allow it to close. Yeah. And coaches are such creatures of habit too. Like I can't imagine like you're in the thick of it in the middle of a season and all of a sudden, all right, everybody pack up. We're That's moving over I mean. to this new facility yeah, that we no. have never been in before. Like, I, I just don't think that happens. I, I think that you'd be forcing the issue yeah. at that point. Final question. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about road trips and you got one coming up soon. So 
what work like road trip or flight has turned out to be the worst or the most chaotic one? Oh God, you guys. Can I know you've been on a lot of them. Well, last year's yeah. Big Ten Media Days. That's got to be up there. Um, was a disaster. All, all, all accounts. Um, a, I wasn't working with you guys yet. I mean, that was its own disaster yeah. that we had to kind of ma- manage our way through. <laughs> that aside. Um, but B, our flights in Charlotte. We land in Charlotte. Normal. Everything's on time. We all go to the bathroom. We come out. Our flight from Charlotte to Indy's canceled. Canceled. Just not no, postponed. No, not po- still postponed. Delayed, it was late canceled. enough. There was no other flight going out. So on the, I mean, it, everyone in the whole airport's reacting the same way. On the fly, I get on the phone, call Delta or American. And I, I'm like, what's close to Indy? What's close? To, I see Cincinnati's close. Um, Louisville's close. So like, can we get to one of these places? And we got our flights moved from Charlotte to Cincinnati. But then we had to rent a car in Cincinnati when we landed and then drive um, into Indy and get it to the hotel at like 2 in the morning, maybe even later than 2. And it was a... 8 a.m. wake-up call, right? Well, 8 a.m. start time, not a wake-up call. Because Frost was the first one, right? Yeah. yeah. He started before it actually started. Um, <laughs> that was wonderful. And they were out of car. Like, the place they rented a car was closed. We had to cancel. And then there was only one option, and all they had were pickup trucks. <laughs> and so the four of us, Greg Peterson as well, we, we squeezed into a pickup truck <laughs> and, and got to Indy and... It was not a good. That was not good. Then coming yeah. home. Yeah. yeah then, we, then there was a. There was we were on Delta. Yeah. And, and there's a coil on smoking. Smoke starts coming in the cabin. Yeah, out of the vents. As we're, as we're on the tarmac. Smoking. Right? The coils, I guess, were In smoking. the fire department. Burning comes, plastic. And so our flight got canceled or delayed. And then we were going to have to stay overnight in Minneapolis. So we just rented a minivan and drove back. Stayed in Peoria, got into Peoria, Illinois that night. That was beautiful. The cop, the cops were. Remember when we pulled up? There was another incident going on at the nightclub in the hotel, and there were like, literally like cops. Like, I'm like, oh, they knew Sipple's coming. Gosh darn it! Sip got thrown into the fire on that one. (laughs) Welcome to the party, Peoria. This ain't the Journal Star anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of that. That that has to be up there though. That that one. Yeah, I, I mean, from start to finish, that was by far the worst trip we've ever had. We've had. Very good luck. Mm-hmm. More often than not, with our travel, yeah. Like I I'd can't imagine that. any like huge disasters. I mean, we've managed to like stay in Penn State, like Kings. Oh, the, the Gator Bowl or whatever. Oh yeah, Gator Bowl or Capital Bowl. One Bowl. No Gator Bowl, Jacksonville. We Two. sat at the airport all day, basically waiting for a flight, and it kept getting postponed because there was weather in Chicago. We no, were... it was a Southwest Airlines computer issue oh. or weather issue that canceled everything in Chicago. That's right. So, anyways, out of Chicago. And we're just waiting, and it just keeps saying delay, 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 until it's like to the point where it's like evening, and we're like, "This isn't going to happen." And so there was no other flights, and their next flight available was like days. But we got on the plane. Are we talking Joe Gans right now, Gator Bowl? No, we're talking Tommy Armstrong, Quincy and Nunn. Oh, ninety-nine yard touchdown pass. Gator oh, Bowl. Georgia Gator Bowl. Yes. Okay. So anyway, well, we got on the plane, and the plane was on the runway, and we're like, "All right, we're at least right. going to get to Chicago. We'll be closer to home." That. And then they took the plane back. It's brutal. Brutal. And I just told Rob when I go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the first guy off. And he did. And I'm going to sprint <laughs> to the gate because every one of these people on this plane are going to be freaking sprinting up to the gate. Power move by Sean. Yeah, big time. And I was the first guy up. And they go, yeah, we can't get you out of here for like four days. And I'm like, well, that ain't going to work. No. So. And so we, got our, we somehow got our rental car back which was like a Chevy Suburban. It was a sweet ride. Mm-hmm. And we drove all the way back. Straight shot. From? 20-some hours. Jacksonville. Oh. 20 hours, 18, 20. Yeah. And we were just like, all right, here's the deal. Everyone's going to do a three-hour shift, and it's a rotating wheel. I did the first one. I got us through Atlanta, which did was you? fine because it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. There's no traffic. And then we turned it over to Greg, <laughs> GP. So he used to live in Tennessee, in, in Nashville, for a long time. So he knows the— he knows that one the mountains and how windy it gets. So, I mean, he was going like, I don't know how fast, but just like when the suburban just darting around these corners, <laughs> pitch black. And I'm glad that he was the one that handled yeah. that stretch. Young That's Dan Hoppen earned his man stripes. So, I mean, he, he did. I don't know. He if grew Dan, up that day. I mean, he, he wasn't used to 
a late. I mean, it's a grind. When it you, was a grind. When you work, he's going your, through St. Louis at like rush hour traffic. Real, I didn't on know you guys sleep. did that. I had no idea you did that. We pulled back into Lincoln around five o'clock in the evening. God, that's awful. So that would be up there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's got to be up there. I've never had anything like that. Well, you guys would drive so many road games, so you wouldn't fly as much. So it'd be a little bit more controllable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's always fun hearing flight stories. So those are our two, and Robin and I have traveled together since 08, so I guess we're fairly lucky. Yeah, I'm going to say, if we've had two major incidents and that many trips, I'll take it. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some Nebraska basketball talk. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. It was fun rem- reminiscing in the mailbag, which is always one of our favorite segments on the show. But let's close up with some basketball talk with Robin Washett. Uh, Robin, the non-conference schedule. Not officially released, but we know it. Close to it. Yeah. So, wh- they, so on Wednesday, they officially announced what they are calling the Cornhusker Classic. It's a three-game extended multi-team event, or MTE, that is taking place from November 13th through November 22nd. And so Nebraska is going to play home games against Ryder, Stony Brook, and Duquesne uh, over that span. And then Stony Brook, Duquesne, and Ryder are going to play each other over a series of games over that week as well. So this is different from, like, the golden window and the uh, uh, battle in the vault. Um, (laughs) You know, the battle in the vault was a, a... exception for season tickets and so mm-hmm. you had to pay extra to go to that that's not the case these are regular home games part of the season ticket package um you know they don't i know they don't do much as far as the the fan appeal but duquesne's good like they're they're a team that i can't remember they were close to 20 wins last year and they bring everybody back okay. so they're going to be if you're going to look at the non-con as a team that could potentially be a problem okay i would put them duquesne. right up towards the top and so like I said, nothing officially has been announced outside of the Oregon State game on November 18th, Saturday, in Sioux Falls, and then the Creighton game on December 3rd in Lincoln. But through uh, reporting and whatnot, uh, basically been able to put together the whole non-con uh, 11 games, and it's a much more manageable approach from at least last year, where you know they played five home games in the non-con. They have nine this year. Uh, they had, what was it? They had a, a 27 of their 31 games, including the conference schedule against high major competition. Uh, only Kansas State and Creighton and Oregon State are this year are not high major non-con schedule. So, you know, that's four less high major opponents on your schedule. And so, it's it's a schedule that wasn't creative to get season ticket <laughs> sales going. It's a schedule that is designed to win and build early conference momentum. Their first five games are going to be at home, or at least their first three, and then they go to the Pentagon, which if you remember back in 2018, the last time they played there uh, in Sioux Falls, that was like a 90-10 split as far as Nebraska fans and Oklahoma State. So it's a neutral site game. But it's a home game. You think Oregon State's going to pile them in there? I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's the same day as Nebraska-Wisconsin football Yeah, that's Madison. unfortunate. So, Robin, if it is an 11 a.m. game for football, and that's a night game, theoretically, you could get a car and, and haul over to Madison. Or yeah, to it's a long drive. i got to time it out. But we'll or see. Or we'll be covering that from some yeah. sort of Wisconsin establishment. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make it happen either way. So, really, uh, you know, Besides playing Kansas State, uh, that's the only true road game is Kansas State. Bramlage. And down in Bramlage. This is the third game of a three-game series with And they'll be good. With the Wildcats. Yeah. They lost probably their three best players from last year, but Jerome Tang is an elite recruiter, so they'll be good. Um, and then Creighton's borderline top 10, top 15 team. And then you get another high major with uh, Oregon State. So, I mean, it's there's at least some level of challenge, but it's not – going to be anything where they're going to make or break their NCAA tournament off this non-con. This thing was designed to get wins. And right now, I would say they will be favored in at least nine of their 11 non-conference games. So well, Fred needs some wins. <laughs> yes, he does. He and does. I mean, that's what hurt him last year. Right. Like the, the overall body of work was good enough to be a tournament team. They just didn't have the wins. It's and and they, they lost in the non-con these lopsided losses at St. John's and, and those types that skewed their RPI and Ken Palm rating that um, 
did them no services. So now you're going to stockpile a bunch of big wins. And as we've seen, strength of schedule is a low-level priority That's when it comes key. to tournament selection. That's so the key, Rob. Don't look at it like you've got to play a bunch of Final Four teams. You just got to get wins, and you got to do well in conference, and you got to find a way to win away from your home arena. You got to schedule like Bill Snyder did at Kansas State football. Remember his non-conference scheduling? Like, I mean, he purposely scheduled the four worst teams every year mm-hmm. uh, just to get wins and build yeah. confidence. That's what Mark Mangino did at Kansas, and they got yeah. going. I mean, that's where Nebraska basketball is. They can't overschedule. Yeah, and I mean, when was the last time, especially under Fred Hoiberg, they had early season momentum? I mean, losing their second or third game to Western Illinois or whatever it may be so i mean they have to avoid that i mean i've looked at games in previous years saying oh they're going to win that game and they lose so they open with lindenwood on november 6 and from then on they just about they gotta take care of business all right make sure you download and follow and subscribe to us here on the husker online youtube page also find us anywhere you can find podcasts make sure you check out huskerline.com great time uh, to check us out with fall camp right around the corner Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.